It's Sunday morning. Time for the Great Outdoors with Charlie Potter. Brought to you by the all-new Chevy Silverado and ChevyDriveChicago.com on Chicago's very own 720 WGN. Welcome to the Great Outdoors Show. Charlie Potter, your host here on WGN Radio. Thank you very much for joining me this morning. I'm going to have a two-pronged approach this morning. The first is to talk about Governor Pritzker made his announcement, as we indicated he would last week, last Sunday morning, for the Director of the Department of Natural Resources. I'm going to talk about that for a moment. And then I'm going to talk about why chuckers, which are not native to North America, why chuckers could be, without a doubt, the most prized game bird we have in this country, and why they are so spectacular, and and especially why so few people hunt wild chucker. It's a fascinating story. I hope you will stay tuned for that. But let me start off with the most important news in the state of Illinois, and I guess in the Midwest. Governor Pritzker has appointed Natalie to be the new director of the Department of Natural Resources. She succeeds Colleen Callahan, who you heard me speak about a couple weeks ago, who did such an admirable job in leading the Department of Natural Resources after really a, a tough period. My point in mentioning this again is I'm going to read the qualifications of the governor's announcements for his other cabinet positions. And my case in point is going to be, this is why we need a commission for the Department of Natural Resources in Illinois. And I hope that Natalie Finney is an outstanding director. I hope she's the best director we've ever had. And I hope that she will move the Department of Natural Resources towards the commission structure. And here's why. Department of Human Rights, the director of the Department of Human Rights, has a long career and as the nation with the nation's leading legal organization dedicated to securing the civil rights of the LBGTQ community and people with HIV. That's the director of human rights. The director of human services served as head of the Words Fund in Woods Fund in Chicago, a grant making foundation that funds organizations that draw on communities to fight the brutality of poverty and structured racism. Both of these two cabinet appointees, long experience in their fields. Illinois Department of Veteran Affairs. person to pick that is a 31-year Navy veteran. And he served as previously as superintendent of Ohio Veteran Affairs. Again, long history in his field. Illinois Emergency Management Agency. The director there. Served as executive director of Chicago's Office of Emergency and Management Communications for many years and led a 12-person rapid response force. Illinois Department of Military Affairs, Major General. Neely was appointed to that. He previously served in the Air, Air National Guard and was director of operations and cyberspace operations for the Joint Base and Andrews Air Force Base. I could go on and on. Every single cabinet appointee for the department for cabinet of the governor of Illinois has a history, a long history 
and working in the field for which they were appointed. Illinois financial and professional regulations, well, certainly that person's going to have a long degree in accounting, etc. Illinois Department of Natural Resources. And again, I hope that Natalie Finney is the best director we've ever had. Her background? She's a registered nurse, which is great. But I'm not sure what that has to do with managing natural resources. She was a state representative for the 118th District in Illinois. I understand what that has to do with serving the natural resources. We have a long history of political legislators moving over to the Department of Natural Resources going back, well, going back many, many decades. But her experience as an advanced nurse practitioner and family nurse practitioner, she received her Associate of Science and Bachelor in Science in Nursing from the University of Southern Illinois, and she received her Master's of Science in Nursing at Vanderbilt University. A background like that would indicate you should be in the governor's cabinet for health and human services or something to do with with nursing, not running the Department of Natural Resources. So I have not met the new director, Finney. And again, I, I hope that she will be an awesome director. But it goes to point out why in the state of Illinois does every single cabinet appointee at a high level have a career in that field? And the Department of Natural Resources no experience. Prior to being the director now, she was the deputy director under under Colleen Callahan um, for three years. Actually, excuse me, no, for a year and a half. So Governor Pritzker, we all know, I believe, has national aspirations to maybe move to 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. I won't say that's great or not great. That's not my job. But if you're going to run for president of the United States, one of the things that might be on your resume is how you cleaned up the state in which you ran. And the Department of Natural Resources is a wonderful opportunity for Governor Pritzker to display that kind of leadership, to say enough of having political appointees and individuals as great as they might be with no natural resource background be the director of a state agency. Instead, let's professionalize the state agency and have directors who have long careers, or at least have good careers in natural resource management, and we attract great natural resource leaders from around the country, as virtually every other state does. Illinois simply digs into the legislative trove of past legislators in the state and makes them director of the Department of Natural Resources. This is why we have had a failed Department of Natural Resources since Brett Manning left now 23 years ago, with the exception of what Colleen Callahan was able to do in the last few years. So I look forward to to hearing what Director Finney wants to do for the Department of Natural Resources. I hopefully look forward to working with her as I have every director going back to Governor Thompson a long time. But I also hope that that, that Director Finney will say, okay, this is an opportunity to professionalize the department I'll be the last director of the Department of Natural Resources who has no professional experience in this field, no degree, no management experience, never worked in another state, et cetera. I could go on. I think we're owed this in the state of Illinois. We have tremendous natural resources in Illinois. Illinois' deer population is known throughout the country for its 
huge deer, particularly in Pike County and places like that. We have great turkey hunting. We have a long history, as long as almost any state in the country, of waterfowl hunting. We have upland bird populations. We have incredible state parks. We have great natural areas. All of this makes Illinois potentially a fabulous state for a director of the Department of Natural Resources. And we should live up to that expectation. And we should make Illinois the best state it possibly can be for the citizens, the residents, excuse me, the residents of the state of Illinois. We're all citizens of America. The residents of the state of Illinois who depend on the Department of Natural Resources to provide quality outdoor recreation experiences, quality of lifestyle. I hope this is an opportunity to open the door to do that. And I sincerely hope that Governor Pritzker will look at the opportunity to say, I want to put on my resume that I did something no previous governor had done. I professionalized the Department of Natural Resources. Actually, it's not true. I'm sorry. Governor Edgar made a huge effort to professionalize the Department of Natural Resources when he brought in Brent Manning, and his 12-year tenure was spectacular. But we have an opportunity to do this, Governor Pritzker. I hope you'll take this opportunity, and we no longer read press releases from the governor's office in future years, hailing all of the accomplishments of the new cabinet members and the expertise in the field they have. And then you get to the Department of Natural Resources, and we find, once again, there's absolutely no background in natural resource management. I'll be back in just a moment with much more on the Great Outdoors Show. And when I do, we're going to go into the mountains of the West, and we're going to go winter hunting for chuckers. It's an extraordinary story. I hope you'll stay and listen to it. It's one that I, I experienced recently, last week, and, and I just can't say enough about how spectacular it was. So on this, the last Sunday in January, thank you for listening to The Great Outdoor Show. This is Charlie Potter in the Outdoor Voice of Chicago and America, 720 WGN. And now a message from our longtime sponsors, the Northwest Indiana and Chicagoland Chevrolet dealers. When sunrise is your alarm clock, life is different. You eat a ditch for breakfast. Love the smell of diesel in the morning with a hot cup of joe. The weather report is 40% chance of mud. And corporate pull, that's 36,000 pounds of towing capacity with a gooseneck trailer. Mudden is PTO. You know sometimes when the paved road ends, the fun begins. Chevy Silverado 3500 HD is waiting to run over something, anything. No road, no problem, because the best way out is always through. A trouble rides a swift horse, and you don't want trouble pulling a backhoe loader. Chevy Silverado HD is a wake-up call. Now, during Chevy truck season, get a $1,000 accessory allowance toward the purchase of a new truck with accessories. You worked hard for your money. Spend it smart. So see your Chicagoland and Northwest Indiana Chevy dealer today or go to ChevyDriveChicago.com for all the details. Chevy Silverado HD. Power up and experience life in HD. It's Charlie Potter and the Great Outdoors on Chicago's very own 720 WGN. Welcome back to the Great Outdoors show. Charlie Potter, your host here on WGN Radio. And thank you so much for listening. This morning, I'm now, as promised, I'm going to take you to a place where I don't think I'll be really probably overestimating. I don't think in the last 50 years, 100 people have walked. And probably not since Native Americans roamed the American West have there been many people in this part of the world. We're in the mountains of the arid American West. It's late January and we're hunting chucker. 
which live at elevations from 3,000 to 6,000 feet, depending where the snow line is. And they live in country that is so rugged. There are no trails. It's so majestic. And it's so remote because not many people are ever going there. Big game hunters might, might come through there occasionally. Certainly people looking for horn sheds will come through. But people actually hunting chucker, very few and far between. And the reason for that is this is the most physically challenging game bird that you can imagine hunting. And they are wild. And they while they can be abundant, you're going to walk three to four hours. And maybe, if you're lucky, get three or four covey rises. And out of that, covey rises. You're maybe going to be lucky to get one or two covey rises in range. And then once you do that, you got to hit the things. Speeding bullets, generally flying downhill. I had this experience last week in perfect, perfect mountain weather. And two weeks ago, I talked about on the show, or last week I talked about on the show, hiking in the mountains in the winter and how beautiful it is and how desolate it is and how you're all alone. The only difference between that hiking and chucker hunting is you're hunting hopefully with a great pointing dog, a great friend or great friends, and you're carrying a shotgun with the hope that you might bring home dinner. So over a four-day period and probably 30 hours or so of walking in terrain that has no trails and rocks that are vertical and snow occasionally that makes you toboggan down on your rear end instead of trying to walk down steep areas and going through incredible canyons and crossing small streams and sometimes crossing streams deeper than you want and you're over your boots, but you're still going to walk and putting, putting just miles and miles and miles under your leather soles and your feet ache. And every, and when you go to bed at night, every single part of your body aches, but it's that great ache. And for those of you who spent time in the outdoors exercising, you know, that tired feeling, it's a great tired feeling. You just want to collapse in bed, and you and you when you finally get back to camp at night, no matter where you're staying, about all you want is a hot bowl of soup, and and maybe some maybe a piece of bread or something, and you want to go to sleep. You're that tired, but you know you can't because you've got to get protein in your system, you've got to get energy in your system because you're going to go do it the next day. And when you think about how tired you are, then I look over at the dogs, and I think about the dogs. And how exhausted they are. So if we've walked in a given day, we've walked six hours, we might have walked 18 miles, maybe 15 miles, just in the most rugged terrain. These dogs, German short hair wire pointers, they've run 50, 60, 75 miles. I have no idea how far they've run. But they are covering country hundreds of yards at a, at a time. And it, it's unlike any other kind of bird hunting with a dog because the country is so vast and so open. The dog has to cover enormous terrain. And I was with a young German wire hair pointer with a great friend of mine. And this wire hair pointer, believe it or not, several times went out on point 300 or more yards away. Now, that's not 300 yards flat where you can go, okay, I'm going. That's 300 yards over, up, down, across water hillsides that are too steep to traverse. Meanwhile, that dog is on rigid point the entire time. 
And the only reason you know that is because the owner of that dog has got a GPS collar on that dog, and it's showing him exactly where the dog is. And this experience, the adrenaline of chasing a dog, chasing over that terrain, knowing you're going to come up on an explosion of birds, and the coveys can be 10 to 30 birds. So in this particular event, the dog went on point several hundred yards from us. We, had, we could not see the dog. We had incredibly rough terrain, partial snow, sometimes just, just simply rocks and sagebrush, and some cheatgrass. And we tried to cover that, in this case, well over 200 yards of terrain. And, and you measure terrain on the flat, not on the, uh, on the vertical, up and down. So it was well over that distance. And we came over a rise, and here was that dog, year and a half old, locked up on point, and it had been locked up on point for, I'm going to say, somewhere between five and eight minutes without moving a muscle. And we came up over the rise, and down below us in a, in a little swale was the dog on point. And we moved in as a pair. The wind is crosswise. The dog has the, has the birds pinned up wind. It's going to be an absolutely classic cubby rise. The chucker are going to get up from our left, and they're going to scream downwind and down valley to our right, and it's going to be a left-to-right shot. And with that, a friend of ours who had been hunting with his young pointer comes over the hill, and he is upwind of the chucker and upwind of this lab, of this, excuse me, this German short that has been pointing. And unbeknownst to him, the chucker are between him and the dog. And his pointing dog, as a young dog, doesn't recognize that the other dog is on point. And we are going as fast as we can to the point, and he is coming in from an area where he can't really see the point until it's too late, and now he is upwind. And the amazing thing about these dogs, these wire hairs, is they can point birds 50, 80 yards away that far. And in this case, the dog had the chucker, we didn't know this, about 75 yards upwind. Meanwhile, our friend comes over the ridge and walks unknowingly right into the covey of chucker that we have just spent the last seven or eight minutes crawling over rocks and scrambling as fast as we can to get. And this enormous covey, 25, 30 birds of chucker, get up with this cackling, almost like a sharp-tailed grouse, and they scream down the draw, and we look at this majestic site, 75 yards from us, go left to right. We needed another, oh, we probably needed another minute, and we would have been right in the middle of them. And we stood there out of breath, in awe, mountains 100 miles away, snow-capped mountains. And we're looking at the mountains. We're trying to draw breath as we're 4,000 feet the dog breaks, obviously, the bird flushes, breaks point, and Murphy's Law, that's all you can think. We've been hunting for three hours without firing a shot, without find, finding a covey, and here we found exactly as it's supposed to be. And Murphy's Law, our friend who's hunting also with us but in a different draw, comes over the draw, busts the covey, doesn't know they're there, and onward we go for the next two hours, never to find another covey. And that's chucker hunting. It's a bird where I often say Atlantic salmon is the bird of 10, I mean, the, the fish of 10,000 casts, and you hope you catch one. Chucker is the bird of just hundreds of miles up and down over several days' time 
And if you come home with a couple chucker every day, that's provided you can hit them, you've done really well. I've hunted birds all over the world, and there is simply no harder experience than shooting chucker, wild chucker, not the kind that are released on game farms, wild chucker in the American West, up in the mountains, snow all around, scenery to the, to the horizon and beyond, it seems, cold air drawing in your lungs. Not a person, there's no, there's no person anywhere near you, not like the summer, when there are people all over, it seems. No cell service often, just you, a great dog, a great friend. Walking on the high, walking on the high plateaus of American arid American West, hunting the toughest game bird there is. So that was my experience. I uh, had the blisters on my feet to sh- and the and the worn soles and the cut boots and the and the hands from when you fall. I'll do it again tomorrow. Except I got to fix my body; it aches from head to toe. Thanks so much for listening to the Great Outdoor Show. I hope you've enjoyed the show. I'll be back next Sunday morning with much more on the Great Outdoor Show as we roll into February. Thanks for listening. Have a great week in the Great Outdoors. This is Charlie Potter on the Outdoor Voice of Chicago and America, 720 WGN.